Welcome back to Queen City Trading, a retail trading podcast about crypto, the stock market, trading, and everything else in between. Uh, Right off the top, I'd like to say we are not financial advisors. This is not financial advice, and you should not take financial advice from a podcast. Uh, So without further ado, I'm joined now by my good friend, Jerome Ball. Jerome, how you doing, my friend? Had a great week of trading last week, and I think we're setting ourselves up this week for a little, maybe a bear market rally. Uh, we'll see. Um, SPY and uh, QQQ broke some key levels last week, uh, 400 and 300, but we did close above that to end the week. Um, so yeah, we'll see where, where we head. How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a beautiful, sunny day in the Queen City. Uh, we are actually having a little celebration here at my house for my birthday. Uh, so we have the pool out and potentially some uh, some drinks and some sunshine. So it should be a good day, uh, hopefully followed by a good trading week. Well, happy birthday. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of a good week, uh, I think we both had good weeks last week trading-wise, uh, potentially better than the market. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of what we saw last week? Uh, yeah. So let's go through the notes. So CPI data came out. That was high. Um, I think we're close to 8%. Um, Hindenburg had a short report about Twitter. Um, doesn't think Elon's going to go through with the deal. Um, and then a few days later after that, we had Elon tweet saying that the deal's on hold. Um, we had a whole bunch of FinTech earnings that didn't do well. Um, let's see, uh, Luna and crypto. Do you want to touch base on that? Yeah. So man, a a crazy week this week in general, we, you know, as we were going through our notes to prepare for the podcast, we were having a hard time remembering like, Oh, was this that day? I, it feels like so much was squeezed into one week. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely one of the highlights or, or rather low lights in crypto was, uh, Luna and UST this week. So, um essentially what happened was the price of luna dropped so dramatically that ust uh which is luna's stable coin lost its peg so the uh the way that it works is luna needs to uh either burn or add to the amount of luna to keep the peg on their stable coin to keep it pegged at one dollar um the dramatic drops in crypto this week led to uh and this part i think is in dispute a little bit uh, I'll, I'll have to dig deeper and follow up on it but uh essentially uh the the price of luna dropped so quickly and so dramatically uh from people selling uh you know getting rid of luna and losing faith in luna um and it, this, this is the part that's in dispute did the team behind Luna and, and UST sell the Luna. It sounds like they moved a, a dramatic amount of Bitcoin off of their platform. Uh, essentially, they, they bankrupted their own reserves. Um, so huh. that is allegedly, I, I don't want to uh, speak out of turn there. I, I'd have to confirm that, but that's what it looks like. Um, so a real shot in the gut to the, the crypto market this week. That, that definitely didn't do any crypto prices any favor having that happen with UST. No, so um, were people able to trade this this move? So people were able to initially, um, you know, as it lost its peg, 
Uh, initially, UST went down to, you know, in the 90s, then in the 80s. Uh, it started to bounce back. It looked like it would it would regain the peg uh, and then kind of free fell from there. So I think it was the first day, maybe the first two days you were still able to trade it. Um, at this point, none of the exchanges that I utilize are still supporting Luna or UST. Um, with that said, I was doing some quick math last night. Uh, it hit uh, UST or Luna rather hit its bottom at 0. 0.000017 uh, and then has bounced back up to another decimal point up. 0.00037, something like that. Um, so, you know, if you were brave enough to try to time that bottom, uh, you could have, you know, 38 times your money. Uh, mm. With that said, that's that's a, a little more risk, a little risk. than, than <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take one in the space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, with that big drop in crypto, I actually, it's the first time I bought um, Bitcoin and Ethereum in a while, just uh Add to the long position, um, I was able to get Bitcoin under 30 and then Ether was like right at two. Um, I figured I'd be upset looking back if uh, I didn't at least nibble at this opportunity. Yeah, I had some um, I had people reach out to me this week who aren't typically uh, very involved in the space. They They only look at crypto or look at the market when you have these kind of outlier events, whether it's extreme bottoms or extreme tops. Um, so, you know, just in, in my personal life, I wonder if that's an indicator that we might see some money start coming back into the space. Uh, with, with that said, it's, it's definitely not, it's, it's a treacherous road moving forward, right? We, we, maybe we bottomed out at least locally, uh, or maybe we're, we're headed towards a crypto winter. I, I think only time will tell on that. Yeah, no, you're right, though. Um, my in-laws, they were close to retirement and asking if they should stop um, or, you know, slow down how much money they're putting in their 401k and kind of just wait and see. And I'm not a financial advisor, so I wasn't really giving advice. But, you know, looking back, it's like these are your best opportunities to buy. Like You look back on the charts like, oh, wow, I wish I could have bought then. And but it, it's scary, too. Um, I just told them, like, you still have a couple of years. I'll let it play its course, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and really, you know, for us being younger, this is the time to really accumulate those shares, to accumulate those coins. Um, but it, it is, it's hard buying in a, in a downturn. Yeah, the, you know, the way that I phrased it to, you know, the acquaintances that I have that reached out about at least crypto in particular was like, look, you know, when Bitcoin was approaching 70,000, uh, you know, everyone was saying, I, I wish that I had a chance to buy it at 25,000, you know, or the, the downturn before this, man, I wish I could have bought under 10,000. Um, we, we all wish for those opportunities uh, when they actually present themselves. The, the situations that arise to present those opportunities are, are pretty treacherous and, and pretty terrifying to hit that buy button. Um, so, you know, it always feels like the end. Every every time it happens, I you've you've joked in the past that you know when whenever I feel like I want to hit the sell button, we're we're getting close to the bottom. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Peak beer. So you know it is. Uh, it's pretty scary. My uh, my crypto portfolio has definitely taken a significant beating in the last uh, really for for the entirety of 2022. Um, but some some massive drops this week. We saw. Uh, 
we saw Bitcoin start the week at, let's see, let me bring up the weekly. We saw Bitcoin start the week at 35 and at its low, get all the way down to 25,373. Um, so a $10,000 drop, a, a 15% drop in in Bitcoin this week. It's not uh, not easy to stomach that kind of drop. No, and safe to say at least 25,000, it got bought up pretty quick at that price. It didn't stay there that long. So I'm, I was using that as kind of like an indicator. Well, maybe that was the bottom, but at the same time, I just knew I would regret if I didn't at least nibble in at these prices. Yeah, and you know, like you said, it 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 depends on what your time horizon is. Uh, I saw someone on a a forum on Reddit saying, you know, uh, kind of what you were saying. My my in laws are debating selling all their all their holdings. What what do I tell them? And the top comment was tell them to do what they're comfortable with. It sounds like they have a different time horizon than you do. Um, ultimately, you have to go with whatever your risk reward is and whatever your risk tolerance is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know for me personally, every time I couldn't tolerate the risk, every time I, I got nervous and hit the sell button, uh, I've at least to this point lived to regret that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm holding steady at this point. I'm not averaging down just because I'm, I'm still in profit. Um, but you know, we we may look back at this and realize this was a a good opportunity to to buy in at some cheap prices. Now, seeing your crypto portfolio, does this make you think twice about consumer spending? Like when you're seeing your investments down, are you, or well, I guess you're up since you bought in, you know, such a long time ago. But um, down from the highs quite a bit. Like, has this curbed your spending at all, or um? I think it depends on which area of my spending you're looking at. Um, you know, when when we go to the grocery store, uh, I'm I'm thinking twice about uh, buying lobster and steak right now. Um, for for crypto and for for stocks, um, I'm being particular about what I add right now. Um, I'm I'm not adding anything yet, just because I don't know that we're at the bottom Uh, and obviously you can't know where that bottom is until after it's done um man i'm i'm just not sure it's uh, i'm definitely tightening up in my personal life and uh trying to be trying to be smart with my financial spending no that's great to hear i feel like i'm in the same boat um i was listening to the all in podcast definitely recommend it um for those that aren't familiar with it um it's for venture capitalists um, in Silicon Valley, really smart, um, intelligent billionaires. Uh, so it's always, I always enjoy hearing their perspective, but, uh, anyway, they're, they're talking about a lot of businesses are seeing like their growth slow down, um, that they're trying to tighten up their spending, you know, technically we're, we're in a recession, uh, last quarter, the we, our GDP's growth slowed down and most likely this quarter is the same. So therefore we're in a recession, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people feel that we're in a recession or we need to stop spending or curb our spending. And that's what they were talking about on the podcast saying, this is going to be the next shoe to drop of a credit bubble of consumers just taking on way too much credit. Um, still in that buy stimulus, you know, mode, we're out of COVID um, let's travel. And then in six, 12 months, are we going to see that other bubble, that other shoe to drop? Yeah, I think it's a good point. 
and an interesting spot that we find ourselves in. Um, it really is a unique time in the way that we're we're on the tail end of COVID. Are, are we on the tail end of COVID? Um, you know, obviously the government spending is changing. The the stimulus money is gone. Um, you know, Jerome Powell has uh, taken a bit of a more hawkish stance on the market. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's where you see that's where you see the the value stocks starting to fly. Um, you know, earlier when I was at the grocery store, I texted you about buying generics and you you commented on Walmart that that's the reason why Walmart stock has been flying that you know they're they're a value brand they kind of dominate the generic space with uh with great value um mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know it, it it seems like now is the time to tighten up a bit and uh I believe Walmart has earnings this week so that should be interesting I, th- I think a lot of consumer uh, staples have uh earnings like Target um who else was on there yeah, so you have uh, Home Depot and Lowe's this week. You have Walmart, um, BJ's, Kohl's. TJ Maxx. So, yeah, a lot of – I'll be curious to see what their guidance is, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting to point out when you look at a company like Walmart, um, obviously – you know, finding value and getting the most bang out of your buck has has always kind of been Walmart's business model. Uh, there's a, a great story about Sam Walton, the the first corporate headquarters that they had, that he actually had lawn chairs that they had been sent by vendors uh, to test for their stores rather than than use them as a display or throw them out when they were done with them. He put them in their offices uh, not wanting to let good chairs go to waste. Um, but, you know, it's it's worth noting with Walmart at this point, as everybody struggles with supply chain issues and shipping backups and the, the cost of inflation, um, Walmart has had a lot of their, uh, you know, relationships in the industry and vendor channels and, and logistics built into their business for, for decades at this point. Um, I, I think that they really do have an edge on the rest of the market that, um, you know, has, has clearly displayed itself in the, the confidence in their stock price. Right. Yeah. They should really thrive in this environment. I'll be curious to see what target does. Um, you know, target is, is the, uh, I don't want to say the next step up from Walmart, but, uh, you, no, you know, can say that <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you could, you know, it, it's a, a different, uh, a different target audience, definitely uh-huh. a little more expensive than, than Walmart is. Um, are, are they going to find the same success? Or are you going to see some of their business flowing into Walmart? Yeah, it'll be a fun week. Um, I'm looking at trading the queues again. I did really well on Friday. Um, trading that reversal. And I think we'll see a weekly reversal on that. So I'm keeping an eye out for that. And then watching Oxy, um, I think we'll see a rebound in oil. Are, are you anything earning wise? Are you watching this week that you might be playing or what you looking um, at? So at the, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you have Zim on Wednesday. Uh, I've talked about Zim repeatedly on the podcast. Uh, we will find out this week if I'm worth my salt or not. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm tempted, you know, we'll see what the market does, uh, on Monday and Tuesday. If we do find ourselves in a, a bullish market where, where things are turning green, I, I will potentially play calls on Zim, 
uh, but I, I will be more than glad to cut them before earnings. Um, you know, prior to this economic downturn that we, we find ourselves in now, uh, I always loved earning plays. I was always a sucker for the earnings plays. Um, it has not been the environment to play earnings lately. Uh, I guess, you know, some would argue that it never was, but um, the amount of IV on uh, earnings contracts or a, a ticker that has earnings has not made it worth it unless you see, you know, a, a Netflix uh, kind of level of, of a drop or, or a gain. Um, it's, it's tough to make money through earnings. Yeah, I think everyone's hoping to get that Netflix type of drop or a Teladoc or you know, hit the hit a grand slam. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, definitely not the market and it's gambling. Um, it, they could beat earnings, but they could give poor guidance. You really don't know. You don't know if the, if everything's already factored into the price. Um, it's a crapshoot, but <laughs> you know, sometimes it is fun to, to do a little bit and you know, for playing small. Yeah. It's um, it's funny to to note here. I just noticed that Synopsis has earnings on uh, on Wednesday this week. So Synopsis, the the ticker is SNPS. They're a software products and services company. Um, they're essentially an automation software company. Um, I think last year, sometime uh, when I was just playing every earnings that there was to play each, each day I would pick a different ticker and, and decide whether to buy a put or a call um, just as a, a low price gamble. Uh, synopsis was one that absolutely blew me out of the water. I, I can't remember <laughs> what my reasoning was, but I, I took a put on uh, a put on SNPS and uh, I'm trying to find in their chart here where that was. It was one where they just had an insane gap up. So that would have been uh that would have been in August of 2021 heading into earnings. They Is that quarter three. Yeah. So they, <laughs> Looking at that. they ended the day at two ninety four. I'm sorry. They ended the day at two ninety sixty three. Uh, they opened the next day at three Oh two sixty and closed at almost three eighteen. So um, absolutely devastated my puts. Uh, I, I remember at the time I, I played synopsis for a while after that. I really enjoyed trading them. I'm looking uh, at an old chart where I still have my my drawings on it. It must have been from your trading days where uh, I was keeping an eye on it. But I don't really ever. I don't recall ever trading it. So I'm been looking at the support and resistant levels when you were messing with the earnings. But yeah, yeah. I, I had a support line at 286, which is fine that we're kind of back to that. Yeah. So. You know, it, it shows kind of where I've grown as a trader and where my style has changed. Um, Synopsis is actually looking pretty interesting here. I, I think it'll be dependent on what the market does and what their earnings look like. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely back down to a reality-based level, uh, which leads me to a point I wanted to touch on. We uh, Apple lost their status as the most valuable company in the world last week. Um, to Aramco, uh, a Saudi Arabian oil company. And you sent me a statistic about the the revenue of those two companies. Do you remember what it was? I don't, but it was night and day. Um. So if, if I recall correctly, Aramco 2021 revenue was somewhere in the ballpark of $600 billion. 
uh, where Apple's 2021 revenue was somewhere in the ballpark of 100 billion. Um, so the the idea that you know Apple was the most valuable company in the world when another company had made six times the revenue that they did, uh, I think it really brings to light the kind of rebalancing that we're seeing right now. Um, did did we? get into a frenzy with all the, the stimulus money pumped into the market where we were just wildly overvaluing companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which yeah, Apple's PE now is 24, which is still trading at a premium for the market. I think the market right now is around like a 16 or 17 PE. Um, so I guess some could say it's still a little high, but I, I don't know. I think Apple's one of those companies you just buy and hold. Yeah, you know, Apple, uh, uh, Warren Buffett favorite. Um, and look, you know, Apple isn't going anywhere. Uh, obviously, they're going to continue to make money. Uh, I think I sent you the the amount of money that they made just on EarPods. Or uh, I'm going to butcher the name, AirPods last year. Um, you know, still an incredibly valuable company. And I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them reclaim their spot as as the most valuable by market cap um but yeah an interesting place that we find ourselves in where you know we're, we're kind of shifting to people looking for value uh obviously oil is a a little safer of a play in this kind of environment yeah and so that's actually why i'm looking at oxy on monday buffett just bought so that will you know, cause a little, little more uh, FOMO. I think uh, traders getting in, investors getting in, retail getting in, um, and just looking at the chart, it looks like it could easily do a five dollar move and potentially a ten dollar move. Um, so I'm definitely keeping an eye on it for the upside. Yeah, I uh, I love that play this week. I love the chart that you sent me. Um, that's actually currently posted on our uh, our twitter page at queen city podcast if you'd like to see that chart um or, uh, queen city what's our twitter handle uh at queen city trading city doesn't have the i in it um so q u e e n c t y trading on twitter um, there, there we go so yeah i uh, i love that play going into this week i'm hoping that we see a green market uh, to kind of give that one legs. Um, <clears throat> I'll be continuing to. So last week I took a little different of an approach than I normally take. Uh, I primarily traded SPY last week. Uh, looking back on my trades, 95% of them were on the SPY. So um, I've been using DXY as an indicator of kind of where is big money going. Um, if you look back at this past week, DXY, you know, essentially – Measuring the strength of the dollar, uh, very strong last week. Uh, we saw a weekly move from starting the week at about 103.66 uh, and getting as high as 105. Um, you know, as the market drops, the dollar continues to get stronger, six green weeks in a row. Um, but it does look like it's slowing down a little bit. So, you know, it's too early to really say, yes, we're going to see a drop in it. But DXY is definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, if, if I see a move below, uh, I think it was around 103.60, uh, if I'm correct. Let me look back at my levels here. Uh, you know, this 104.47 level where we closed, 
Um, if we get below 103, call it 103.37, um, I, I would say that we're, we're looking at risk on at that point and heading up to that point. So then you're looking at calls for the SPY? Is that how you would play it? Yes. So I, I would definitely be looking at playing SPY to the upside. Um, you know, to be clear about the way that I've been trading SPY, uh, I like to watch the, the five-minute chart, <clears throat> um, you know, staying away from open for the most part. I, I like to see the, the pre-market levels, what were the high and lows of the pre-market. That kind of sets my boundaries for what price action I see afterwards. Um, and then sit on my hands from 9.30 to 10 o'clock, let that opening range kind of establish itself. And then from there, um, I'm using VWAP and the 9 EMA. Uh, do we stay above or below the VWAP? And then how does the price action react to the 9 EMA? Uh, let it break one way or the other and then retest one of those lines uh, and enter a position from there, whether it be to the upside or the downside. And you're still scalping. You're getting in and out pretty quick, right? I, I have for the most part, yeah. So, um, you know, I had trades that were... 30 seconds to a minute last week. Uh, I had some that took a little longer to materialize. Um, I tried to scale into my contracts. So if, if my plan was to buy, let's say, 10 contracts, I'm buying two right off the rip. Uh, you know, if it goes my way, great. I'll, I'll take money off the table. Uh, if it doesn't immediately go where I thought it would, I'll scale my way into it with a defined risk. Um, and then, you know, scale out the same way. Once the contracts have paid for themselves, I cut half the contracts uh, and then kind of watch the price action from there. If, if I get lucky and catch a significant run one way or the other, I, I might leave a runner. Um, but I, I've not stayed in contracts for more than whew, this week, maybe, maybe a half an hour. Um, it, it's just been so volatile this week. You know, from from one minute to the next, it's it's kind of hard to really stay in anything for too long. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, there's been days where I, I've been getting in and out and making the money quick, and you're, you you get those days where it just runs um, from the market open to close, where either all down or or all up, and you're thinking, man, why didn't I just keep a runner? And uh, so on Friday, I did that, and I tell you what, like, so I did well trading. Uh, the NASDAQ, but I would have been more enjoyable just getting out of the trade and ending my day before 11 o'clock. Instead, I was stuck glued, you know, glued at the, at the screen, you know, all day. And yeah, I, I made good money that, but I would rather just be out of the market and enjoy the rest of my day. Yeah. So it, it's one of the things that I love about our dynamic. We, we have a different approach to the market. Um, you know, when you do stay in those trades for longer, what, what do you use as conviction to keep you in those trades? Cause I, I can't seem to, to commit myself to keeping my money in play for that long. Yeah. So for example, the QQQ opened uh, Friday at two ninety three. Um, I had my eye on the 300 calls and I was, thinking that we'd probably hit the 304 target. I knew that was a hefty target. So my plan was just to take money along the way. But I, yeah, so we got to three and then that's when we started making resistance at three. 
I'm thinking, okay, I think there's still more room to go above three. And so I sold some at three, got out, and then I got back in on a dip. Um, and granted, we went up to 303, so a dollar short of, of my target, but made an extra $3 on that trade. But yet I'm, you know, stuck watching the monitor until, you know, almost like 330. <laughs> so, which is not bad, but, you know, there's a, it was a Friday, beautiful Friday, things I'd rather do. And um, so, yeah, so I, you know, there's benefits of leaving runners. Uh, some are fine, can leave them and forget them and close them at the end of the day. But for me, I, I feel like I got to be glued to the screen and whether that's a good or bad thing. Yeah, I think that that brings a great point of, you know, what contracts are you trading? Obviously, when you're talking about the spy or, or the queues, uh, most days you have the option of trading zero DTE um, as well as any other expiration that you want. Um you know, especially on Friday, one of the things that I've tried to change is once we get past, really past noon, um, depending on what kind of price action we're seeing, to get out of zero DT and start to look at next week contracts. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it's it's so hard to tell in the, the environment that we're in. Um, you know, great opportunity to make great money on, on the indices. Um, but risky place for for sure you, you have to have a defined risk and you know have the discipline to walk away when it goes against you they can they can burn you pretty quickly yeah or to set it where they don't go against you have uh, a happy stop loss in place above your your entry if it if your you know trade turns green just don't let it turn red but it, it's hard when you're doing the zero uh uh days to expiration because the de the decay could just rip <laughs> through your stop loss um so I don't know. It's a, it's a tough play. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I like playing a little further out. And if it's afternoon, start looking at next week's options. Yeah. So, you know, uh, another fun week ahead. I, I think that the, the volatility that we saw last week will continue into this week. Um, I do think there's a, a small chance that we see just some consolidation this week. Maybe we, we don't see as much volatility. Um, but, you know, definitely some some opportunities for some fun plays this week. So anything else that you want to keep an eye on heading into uh, what will be the trading week of May 16th? Uh, no, really just looking at the indices, looking at oil um, and seeing if crypto can hold this, if Bitcoin can hold 30 and if Ether can hold two. I think that's a pretty good sign that we should see a little bit of a rally. Um don't know if everything's going to see a rally that's why i'm kind of leaning towards um oil and energy stick with the the hot hand but what about you uh you know i'm interested to obviously the indices um spy was great to me last week i i did very well just keeping an eye on one ticker uh i, I shouldn't say i trading one ticker while keeping an eye on the others um I'll be interested uh, to see what Tesla does this week. So ending the week at just under 770, uh, a very crucial level for Tesla. You can you can see looking at uh, the the daily chart, we've we've seen that as support and resistance a few times. So um, an interesting week. Uh, Elon Musk continues to be as entertaining as ever, um, bordering on madness at times. So. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do here 
you know, will the, the growth stocks get some relief this week or will we continue to see the downturn? Um, so, yeah, kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. Uh, obviously, I, I want crypto to go back up, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. We'll, we'll see kind of where we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. And who knows? We could revisit these lows again. Um, months from now, we could have a nice little rally. Just got to play it day by day. Yeah, it's uh, so I had my on the the daily chart for Ethereum. I had my support and then turned to resistance right around twenty four hundred, a little above uh maybe 2450 so we're, we're clearly below that level at this point uh i'll be i'll be interested to see whether it can retest that level the the 9 ema on the daily is just above 2200 so um you know look crypto love it or hate it crypto was one of the best performing assets of 2021 2020 before that um crypto every every time someone says look it's dead it's not coming back uh, it's it stood the test of time for the the short amount of time it's been around. Um, but I, I also like it as a, a risk indicator. Uh, if you recall on Friday, uh, I drew some intraday trend lines for uh, Bitcoin and some other cryptos. And when it broke that trend line to the downside, uh, that preceded the break in the trend line for SPY and QQQ. So, um, you know, you can decide for yourself whether or not those two are correlated. Uh, I, I think as crypto being some of the riskiest assets that there are uh they're they're a good gauge of of risk on and risk off uh, yeah i agree i think it's more correlated with the nasdaq than um bitcoin is with the inflation yeah it's a it's a great point and it's something that i think is different this time around um you you see that correlation between the NASDAQ and Bitcoin, um, we've actually overlaid their charts before and they, they correlate pretty similarly. Obviously, Bitcoin uh, a bit more extreme, um, but I don't know that you saw them as, as tightly correlated in past rallies and no, past uh-uh. retracements. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, fun, fun times. Definitely a, an exciting time to be a trader in this market. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, hopefully we all make some money. Yeah, I, I'm hoping to uh, I'm hoping to make more this week. We uh, we both had good weeks last week. And I, I think for myself and, and definitely for you, we can credit that to risk management. Just, you know, being clearly defined on what your risk is heading into something. Um, I took a bigger loss this week than I did last week. My my biggest loss this week, I think, was seventy eight dollars. Um, but still, you know, in, in the past, I would, I would have that done by nine thirty one. um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, cutting losers ruthlessly and, and managing risk has, has definitely been a game changer for my trading. I love it, man. Um, oh, speaking of managing risk, my uh, Twitter puts even right now. So as one fifty, and that's what it's at right now. It expires this week. <laughs> um, that thing got down to like, I think five bucks. Uh, five or six dollars maybe um <laughs> and uh yeah just let it ride um yeah I, I think uh if elon i don't know i'm hoping he backs out this week it, it expires friday and I, yeah i think that will help tesla stock if he gets out of this deal or yeah we'll see 
It's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, a, a couple things about this one. One, that you still have that god-awful Twitter post. Um, <laughs> but the, the entire deal to begin with, I, I just... Good luck trying to understand Elon Musk or why he does what he does. You know, is he the greatest troll of all time? Does he believe in what he's doing? Um, I think we can all agree that none of this is happening by mistake with him. He His moves are, are more calculated than he might lead on. Um, but man, what, what the hell is he doing? I, I just, it's, yeah. it's so hard to try to figure out which way he's going. Yeah, I think at this point, he's definitely trying to renegotiate a, a lower price. I mean, the whole market sold off. It's been selling off, but it's sold off even more since he put in that bid. Um, he's got a ton of other private investors on this deal, which I'm sure they're getting pressure saying, hey, man, why, why are you buying Twitter at this price? Let's, we can get them down. Um, and who knows? Maybe that will be the outcome. Maybe he gets it for $10 billion cheaper. Uh, well, time will tell, but yeah, hopefully he says something that can tank <laughs> the, uh, the price tomorrow morning and I can get out of this contract. Yeah, I, I was envisioning uh, this this week as, you know, obviously he went on Twitter and said, hey, the deal's on hold. Um, I was thinking about the point when he had made the offer and initially uh, Twitter was kind of balking at the offer and, and talking about the poison pill and, and you know, not wanting Elon Musk. Uh, I thought it was kind of comical to picture some accountant who understands the market at Twitter running, <laughs> running into the front office and saying, hey, 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 he, everyone is about to dip in value. And, and this idiot wants to give us 5420 per share. What, what are you guys doing not taking this offer? Right, yeah, um, uh, the CFA pulls up the charts of Snapchat, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> hey, look at this solid company, Apple, even they're in the shitter. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, uh, more more to come on that one. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when he announced that that deal was on hold, they dropped by 15% pre-market. Yeah, like I got down to 33. Oh, man, I was already counting counting my uh, eggs before they hatched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, an exciting week ahead. Um, if you like what we're doing here, please give us a like and subscribe. Uh, if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, as always, follow us on at Queen City Trading on Twitter. Uh, and we will look forward to talking to you guys again next week.